0: Hi, and welcome to Record Perfection. I'm your host, Rochelle Annay, singer songwriter and recovering perfectionist. I started this podcast on a mission to figure out how we can raise brave kids, but quickly learned that one of the most important ways we can do this is by being brave ourselves. So, on this show, you'll hear stories from courageous humans who figured out how to embrace failure and imperfection and live in alignment with their true selves. To me, if every person were to fully embrace their innately imperfect humanness, we would see a world that's less power hungry and more kind. We would find more solutions to some of the world's biggest challenges, and we would live happier and more fulfilled lives, knowing that we are enough exactly as we are, not because of anything external like beauty or success. If you struggle with being hard on yourself when you mess up, which we all do, by the way, comparing yourself with others, getting stuck in the creative process because of a tough inner critic, or you're simply tired of trying to stay on the hamster wheel that is this beauty and success culture, I'm here to help you stop, get off, breathe, and realize that you are enough right here, right now. From this place of enoughness, we can bring kindness and compassion to ourselves and to the young people in our lives, helping them to realize their own enoughness. I believe that when kids and grown-ups learn that mistakes are okay, they're able to embrace failure and live more courageously. For today's episode, I had the immense pleasure of speaking with Dr. Ashley Davis. Ashley has dedicated herself to exploring the impact of servant leadership and its influence on the personal development and fulfillment of others. Working in continuing education and intercollegiate athletics, Ashley possesses a wealth of knowledge which she uses to open doors for others. As an educator and life coach, her motto is, lean into your greatness and never be afraid to let the world feel your shine. In today's conversation, you'll learn how to get into alignment and find your authentic path, how servant leadership starts with our own inner work, and how getting clear on who you really are sets you up for unshakable confidence. And now, here's Ashley. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'd love to start with um, learning about the work that you do and how you came to do it. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so
1: the work that I do, um, it's kind of just an amalgamation of a, lots of different experiences, opportunities, decisions, um, educational pathways. Um, so first and foremost, I think the work that I do just in a larger sense is just to be a servant leader and that um, is exuded in every other facet. So in education, in my life coaching work, Um, and my motivational speaking. And so that first and foremost drives everything that I do. Everything that I do is a derivative of that. Um, In education, I I currently work in higher education. Um, I am a program developer. So I develop um, and manage academic and non-credit programs for um, non-traditional learners or, or what's more commonly called adult learners. Um, And then also in my life coaching, I I work with individuals who have reached a level in their life where they're looking for more authentic paths. Um, We've all reached some level of success. And a lot of times we hit a plateau and we're stuck with the what's next question. And so I love working with those individuals that are looking for, for what's next, that are looking to tap in and to connect with their authenticity so that they can then create more authentic paths of success because just because we've been successful in our life it doesn't necessarily mean that that success was authentic to who we are as people it may just because it may just be because we were going down a path that someone told us that we should go down we were trying to please someone else or you we were caught in the hamster wheel of, you know, go to college, get a degree, get a job, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that is my um, main work in life coaching is just helping people find more authentic and abundant paths um, of success. I oh. see you, Roger. I see you thinking.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not thinking. I'm never thinking. <laughs> I just, well, I'm just curious how, because um, it's such an interesting crossroads to come to um, how to you know, help somebody with that authentic path when they're feeling out of alignment. But well, we can come back to that. <laughs>
1: yeah, we can come back to it um, or we can answer it. Let's just answer it now, you know, okay. let's just
0: talk about it.
1: So one other facet of working in higher education has been, I've, I've also um, working in intercollegiate athletics. Uh, sports in my own life have held, has held such a, um, just a really special place in my heart. I was an athlete growing up. I've come into contact with student athletes that only knew one part of their identity. And that's the athlete, because that is the part of their identity that people poured into the most. Mm -hmm. They saw this kid that had this superior athletic talent. And then from, you know, let's just say the age of six or seven to the time they were, you know, 20, 21, 22, people only knew them as this, exceptional athlete and being that we are multi-dimensional people i would get these questions all the time from athletes like how do i find my purpose um how do who am i you know or we are i saw that these athletes had interests and and loves outside of their sport but they didn't necessarily know how to go pursue that and find the fulfillment in that because they were only really truly identifying with one part of themselves. So I say all that to say that that has bled over into the work that I do and I think it's all encompassing. I think I needed to have those experiences in sport in order to get to this point in life coaching where I can say that that is a passion of mine is to help people find more authentic and abundant paths of success because you get to a point where whatever you're doing, you know, you're not reaching every part of yourself.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And if you continue on that path, that current path starts to become very inauthentic because you're not bringing every, every part of yourself
0: to that path. So if somebody finds themselves in that place where they're like, you know from the outside i'm doing good you know but i just it feels unfulfilling i feel mm-hmm. kind of like just not something's not right something's out right. of alignment what do you what is the first thing that you would recommend for that person
1: honestly i tell people take a step back and you have to start asking yourself start asking yourself the hard questions because someone can come to me and say how do i find my purpose I could lead them to the water. I could facilitate a process, but they'd have to do all, all that, all that hard questioning. You know, um, folks would have to get real about themselves and really think of, okay, what else do I like to do? What am I suppressing within myself because I'm afraid to bring it to this current path that I'm on? And and if I do bring this out, does this current path support? What I know is truly within me so it's asking hard questions what do I like who am I why do I get up in the morning what motivates me what excites me what makes me mad um you know uh do I want to help people Mm. Um, do I want people to help me you know so it's truly just this tapping in of um intentionality where you kind of you get off of autopilot from the path that you're on that you're probably really great at because you've been on it for quite some time. But it's intentionally getting off and asking yourself these hard questions, tapping in. And what I always say to myself, I say this to myself a lot and I say this to other people, it's like putting your big girl and your big boy pants on, asking these hard questions and not being afraid of what they reveal because that's your true that's your truth. And that's what's going to set you on these, I would say, more abundant paths that think, are truly sustainable.
0: I think that it's so hard because it sounds all fun and games to be like, what's my yeah. passion? I'm going to go after a passion yeah. in life. And I know I've experienced this where I thought like, I'm going to go live my passions and just had this like beautiful picture in my head that it was just going to be easy. <laughs> and it's not. And I think sometimes that hard work that's involved of like stripping back all of society's expectations, all of your family's expectations, everything that's been built up on the outside to, you know, many of us are socialized in a way that is not in alignment with our true selves. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's common to feel that sense of out of alignment, but it's not just like, all right, now I'm just going to whip like myself into this new direction it's like kind of disentangling and kind of like a deconstructing of the ideas that you have of yourself
1: (laughs) absolutely it's an unlearning I hit this point in my life and this is when I was I had stepped away from a job that I was working at and I was focusing full time on my dissertation and this was the period of my life that led me to life coaching I had this moment where I was like, oh, now I am unlearning so many things that I've learned up until this point. And I was 29 when I was doing this, you know? And so getting real with, dang, a lot of the stuff I've learned about me and about how to get along in this world up until this point really does not serve me. Oh, that's so hard. (laughs) It's hard. And you know, in my work, in my coaching what we do is we use this wheel it's called the web of life and it has 10 different life areas on it and i task clients i say you know um look at each area on this on this wheel and rate from one to ten your level of satisfaction in each area and after you do so write a few things down for each area if that area is not at a 10 what could make that area a 10 and oftentimes you see people pulling out stuff that they didn't even know that they weren't really like satisfied with but it's because they've never really been pressed to think about it in that way it's always go 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 do 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 suck it up um yeah let me not be vulnerable. Like I worked so hard to get here, even though the path is inauthentic, I worked so hard to get here. So I dare not say I'm not happy or I, or I want to do something else.
0: And, and that what also ties into that then is that idea that like, once you hit a certain age or point in your life, you feel like now I have to have it figured out. So if I don't, then that's like a personal failing. Yes. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's just like, you're on this unique path. And, um, And I think it's really important to just understand that, you know, putting age aside, putting, you know, your point in life aside, well, I have kids now, or I am married now, or whatever it is. um, It feels like, well, now I need to be this stable adult. It's like, (laughs) there's always a chance to have a breakdown.
1: (laughs) There's always and you know, we're all human for one. And we are all susceptible to the things in this world that make us that, that break us down, that make us think twice about things. And we all come into this understanding or we all reach this point in our own time because there are a multitude of things, experiences, relationships, jobs, choices, decisions that need to happen prior to that moment. You know, you're like, I, I heard it put, someone said it's it, the uh, the bathroom floor moment. Um, I can't remember who said that. Um, but they called it the bathroom floor moment. But there are so many things in life that have to happen and Wait, what does that
0: mean? The bathroom floor moment? I thought you bathroom
1: floor moment where you're just like you're on the bathroom floor and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing oh. with my life. You know, like <laughs> you're just like laid out, you're ugly crying, you know, like you're a hot mess. Um, you know, I guess you can consider it like your awakening. But, you know, you're just like, you're laid out. You're like, I just don't know. And there are so many things that need to happen prior to getting to that moment that matter, that are necessary. So whether you're 25 and you're having this moment or you're 50 and you're having this moment, I think what matters most is the fact that you're having the moment. You know, because living a life that truly speaks to who you are as a person, that's authentic, there's no age put on that. Mm -hmm. And I think the most beautiful thing is just figuring it out when you do figure it out. Um, So whether it's early on or it's late, you've still led a beautiful life up until that point. There have still been beautiful things about your life up until that point. And so I think ultimately, which is something that I've tried to practice myself a lot is just giving oneself grace to experience that, to ask those questions. You might not get it right on the first, second, or third time, um, but that's all part of the process.
0: I love that. Yeah, and I think that's really, that's good advice to take a step back because once you've done that, then you can start to do that, that inner examining because no matter who you hire, which I mean, I obviously think it's great to hire a life coach uh, or therapist or, you know, whoever's going to help you, help guide you down that path. Nobody's doing the work for you. Mm-hmm. And so it's always going to involve an intense amount of self-reflection and digging really deep, and sometimes that <laughs> that is the hard stuff. <laughs> it's hard. It's ugly, but what what is birthed out of
1: that is something that no one will ever be able to take away from you, yeah. and that is why that that's where it, it it's um it's valuable. It's because doing that kind of work, you can say, I now know myself. And this is a knowingness that no one will ever be able to snatch from me. And that's mm. such an empowering feeling. Like, can you talk about like feeling like a badass when you're like, <laughs> I know who I am. I know what I'm here for. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm headed. And you'll have moments of questioning, but your foundation will be so much stronger because you've willingly decided to take that step back and thoroughly examine yourself, your life, your choices your mm. path, and what you're capable
0: of. That's interesting, the idea that it, it yeah, it feels like it builds thicker skin to to feel, because you have a, that sense of inner confidence and inner knowing, so that when somebody tells you, like, yeah, know, they're questioning why you're doing what you're doing, or they think you suck at it, or whatever, it's like, I know who I am, and I'm not thrown off by that. <laughs> exactly, and, you
1: know, I think that, um, level of self-confidence throws people off so much. And I love it. I love it.
0: I will say for myself, I've not gotten there yet. I'm working towards it.
1: Oh, but you will. Oh, but you will. You know, because, and, and, and it's not an overstated level of confidence where it errs on the side of like, you know, being cocky or conceited, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a quiet confidence that is, Uh, that says, you know, I know who I am and I know what I'm capable of. And when someone comes to you with some BS like that about, you know, like trying to tell you who you are and what you're, what you're capable of. And the moment you bite back and say, no, I think this is what it is. People are like, oh,
0: (laughs) okay. (laughs) Well, (laughs) so I want to um, go back a bit to this idea of um, servant leadership, which is Definitely an idea I haven't heard of. Uh and I'm wondering if you can explain what that is.
1: Yes. So servant leadership, um, I think most uh prominently it was it our our, our most prominent, I should say, um example of servant leadership is Jesus. And there's this story that I had read about, Uh, it was a fictional story, but it it perfectly describes what servant leadership is, is there was a story of three men on a journey. And um, it was a very long journey. It was two leaders on that journey and then one servant on that journey. As they went along on the journey, um, they actually ended up losing the servant along that along that path, and then they realized that they could no longer make it because it was the servant that was keeping them going. And so when you relate that to leadership in and of itself, servant leadership is a kind of leadership that is authentic, that leader knows who they are. Um, They focus on empowering and developing people, but there's also a level of stewardship within that so when you're a steward you are you don't own whatever it is that you're talking about you're just kind of that that thing whether it's people money when you're a steward that's it's in your keep for right now but eventually you'll have to give that back so relating that to leadership servant leadership is a kind of leadership where the leader knows who they are as a person I know who I am therefore I feel okay and confident with taking a step back And serving the needs of someone else, stewarding their hopes, their dreams, cultivating environments that allow them to come to higher understandings of who they are, so that they too can get to that authentic point where they can then go on and serve someone else. So, some would look at it and say, you know, but if you take a step back, you're putting yourself last, not necessarily. Because I can put, I, I I can put my, I can take a step back and serve somebody else, but it doesn't have to be to my own detriment.
0: Mm.
1: But when you're serving somebody, you're serving that person in the spirit of it's deriving out of an authenticity, like an authentic place from me. And I feel good about the energy I'm putting forth in empowering someone, developing that person, um, pushing them to be a better version of themselves. And still being confident in what it is that I bring to the table as a leader.
0: Do you think that with servant leadership, the the people that you're uh, serving ever feel like they're not being served, or are they really feeling that sense of service coming from you?
1: You know, honestly, in all of my experiences, i've I've seen the power in servant leadership, and I've seen it in my own life as a servant leader, but I've also seen it in my own life as somebody on the receiving end of servant leadership. You can really tell that a servant leader is vested. Um,
0: What kind of impact does that make on you?
1: Honestly, it makes you feel worthy and valued and cared for. It makes you feel uh, like your hopes and your dreams matter. You know, um, for my dissertation research for my doctorate, I had the opportunity to study servant leadership uh, with student athletes and um, and their head coach. And I've, I got a, an up close and personal view of how servant leadership works, how espousing servant leadership behavior works in that kind of setting where you're a student athlete Division one institution, so it's very competitive. Yet, these students, amidst all of the um, competition, amidst all of the hard work, they still just wanted somebody to pour into them. They still just wanted their coach to have an open door policy. Mm-hmm. So, I think servant leadership speaks to the natural human need to be heard, to be seen, to be loved on. To be you know, touched and cared for. And anybody who says they don't want that, they've probably just been hurt and they haven't tapped in yet. like they they they, they haven't found ways to tap into that to that need because everyone wants to be seen.
0: Yeah.
1: everybody. It's a natural human necessity.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think too, that um, as a leader, you're still engaging in relationship, right? and all relationship mm-hmm. is a two way street. And you can't have I'm actually I'm reading Dare to Lead by Brene Brown right now. And she talks about love that book. Yeah. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that's. I'm glad I'm reading it then. Um, but I also love all, everything Brene Brown writes. Um, yes. But yeah, that idea of vulnerability in leadership and how if you don't have vulnerability, you can't have a relationship. Right. Absolutely. The basis for connection. And as a leader, you also need that because you need to connect with the people that you're serving slash leading. And so I'm thinking about, yeah, just that idea of it being a two way street and how that can't happen unless you're getting down and dirty with the people that you're working with. You know,
1: absolutely. And you bring up such a good point because it all starts with the leader, you know, Um, attitude reflects leadership. So if I'm a leader, and I want, you know, uh, my followers to do something uh, exude a certain type of behavior or learn a certain characteristic, it starts with me. And I think in a larger sense, especially in the working world, that is the difference between leaders and managers, you could have someone in a leadership role that is exuding manager behavior. And I've seen it far too often. A leader is somebody that is going to bring out a higher level of understanding for each person. They're gonna bring each person to a higher understanding of who they are as people, their capabilities, et cetera. And also secondary though, making sure that uh, productivity goals, et cetera, are met. But first and foremost, it's for the people Whereas you have managers who like driving tasks and they don't know how to connect to, you know, their subordinates. um, they're, they're, they're much more concerned with the work, but the human resource, which is the greatest resource that we often take for granted the most, they, they, they could be much less concerned with the human resource. Mm. And so I think that. And I've seen it in my own experience is, you know, you got managers and leadership roles and that can be quite detrimental.
0: I never thought of managers and leaders as different things. I always thought a manager is a type of leader. I mean, I think, I think
1: they certainly could be, but if you just even look at the two words, right? Like if you, if you're breaking down the two words, if you're, if you're a manager, if you're just managing something that to me, I'm just managing its current state. I'm just managing. Mm. But if you're a leader, if you're leading, that means you're going somewhere.
0: I love that. I haven't thought of it like that. So (laughs) you have obviously a lot of experience working with leaders. And I'm curious, what are some, I should say, what are some of the other lessons that you've learned about leadership, um, whether it's how to lead well or common misconceptions that you've come across? That's an awesome question.
1: Um. You know, in addition to what we've kind of already talked about, I think dispelling this whole myth that like, you know, leaders are born, they're not taught. Like, I don't necessarily quite believe in that.
0: I think. I think that's silly. (laughs) Isn't it? I'm like,
1: I think everyone is born with the ability to be a leader. I think we're all born with leadership qualities. It's just, have those leadership qualities been cultivated in that person? Mm. whether by themselves or by somebody else. But have those leadership qualities been tapped into to where that person can step into that leadership identity? And what are some of those leadership qualities? You know, I think having a sense of self, um, being able to be humble um, and and have humility, but also um, being able to speak up and not be afraid to speak up if you're the only one that, feels the way that you feel.
0: There's where vulnerability comes in big
1: time. 100% because you have to say like, I know you guys are thinking this, but here's what I think. And I'm going to step up and say it. And and I also think a leadership characteristic is, when um, you alluded to this a little bit ago, is uh, being willing to roll up your sleeves and, and also kind of do some of the dirty work with the people. Um, because people will hear what you say, and sometimes it goes one ear and out the other, unfortunately. But when they see you doing something alongside of them, and speaking
0: or saying things to them, cultivating relationships—man, that that
1: is powerful.
0: It brings to mind my favorite manager slash leader that I had <laughs> at uh, at a catering job that I that I worked in college, and. Some of the other um, managers, they would just kind of tell everybody what to do and then just watch them do it. But she Mm -hmm. would always, always show up. And when there was like some of the crappiest work that nobody would want to do, she would always get in there and do the things that that, it wasn't in her job description at all. Um, But it was like, yeah, if if things were chaotic, like she would always step in. And it was like, oh, you're willing to do the same work as us, which means like, I'm also more likely to listen to you now yeah, <laughs> and care what you have to say.
1: And care. And, you know, at a certain level, a leader is also a teacher. And so if you're not willing to teach the people with your through your actions and your words, then you really have to rethink, do you want to be a leader? Because somebody will be impacted by you. And it's in those moments of, impaction that teaching happens you're teaching people you are cultivating lives and you know I think that the term leader in and of itself is loose like real loosey-goosey these days Um, because I think true leadership you really have to look at it in the sense of like I'm impacting people Mm. I am influencing people I am bringing people to higher understandings of themselves or whatever topic at hand but like if I if I do this right, I have the I have the capacity to like really make some people better. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I think and that's-, that's that people part, the humanity part is yes. the, is the, the centric point that I that I keep hearing. It's like you can't separate the work from the people. It, for some reason, it reminds me of a, something I heard from Elizabeth. Uh, sorry, Isabel Wilkerson, who wrote The Warmth of Other Suns, which I still haven't read, but it's about the Great Migration. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about all of these um, African-Americans coming up to the north and basically wanting jobs. And and, like these uh, factories and such, they wanted the work, but they didn't want the people. Mm -hmm. They wanted their labor, but they didn't want the person doing the labor. (laughs) And that it just reminds me of it. It's like you can't separate a person from their no. work. We are all encompassing. And, and so when when you accept yeah, that person as showing up in their work, then you have to accept um, their personality, their flaws, everything that makes us human.
1: Absolutely. You can't want me and not want my struggle. And a lot of, I think, people that are, you know, leaders. That's just not something that they bargain for, you know. Um, if you get a person, you're getting that person.
0: We want the good parts, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I just want the good parts
1: of this person, please, thanks.
0: If you and ever unfortunately... need a sick day, or you have a family who's like <laughs> has you know issues, or would give this a death, no, we're just no, nope, absolutely not, nope.
1: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Or if you're just human one day and you just need a day, no, you can't, like you just can't. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. That just comes down to the humanity piece.
1: That's all it just remembering that. And, you know, we're all humans at the end of the day. We're all pretty much looking for the same thing, whether we um, are vulnerable enough to admit it or not.
0: So one of the things that you say that I love so much is lean into your greatness and never be afraid to let the world feel your shine. And it's a beautiful concept in theory, but I, um, I want to know how you help people put it into practice. Maybe you'd like to share your perspective on how you've addressed this struggle within yourself or how, you know, you've used it in your work with others. But, um, what would you say to someone who is struggling to embrace their greatness and maybe doesn't see it or doesn't know how to step into that bigger frame of mind, um, that makes it possible to create a larger reality.
1: I think I would I think I would turn that question back on that person. Again, I would tap into, you know, my life coach facilitator mode and I would turn that question back on that person and I would say, "What do you think makes you great?" You know, cuz I can't tell a person to lean into something they don't know that they don't know exists. So I would make that person think about themselves. What do you think makes you great? Why do you think that makes you great? Because I think a sense of greatness derives out of a sense of authenticity, a sense of knowing who you are. And you can't you can't lean into your own greatness until you know who you are. But then also too, I feel like leaning into your own greatness is a gamble because it's like you're betting on yourself. And so you have to be able to lean in saying that I'm leaning in no matter what. So it's like a fearlessness that goes into that. But it all starts with knowing oneself. So pushing that person to ask Again, the hard questions. what do you think makes you great? A lot of times I feel like we're looking for someone else to define things for us, but we can't. And if it were only that easy to where I could go to somebody and say, what makes me great?
0: <laughs> Please tell me. I have that every time it's like identify your strengths. I just want to ask like someone else, like, what do you yes. think my strengths are? <laughs>
1: And so many people struggle. I used to struggle with that. I don't, I mean, I, I like, I know I'm like a smart person, like I know I'm good, but like, what exactly? But like the, the fact of the matter is, is that I can't tell anybody what makes them great. Mm-hmm. Like, I I want someone to, to, to come to me and say, this is why I'm great. But I could push that person to ask hard questions. I could push that person to get real with themselves and to think, Okay, what you're doing now, does it feel good to you? Does it feel authentic to you? Do you think that is that is exuding greatness? You know, I always say that it's one thing to learn, learn a lesson, learn about yourself, whatever it may be. It's one thing to learn, but it's another thing to apply. What good is the learning if you're not gonna apply? And the, the lean in is the apply, but there are a multitude of steps that come before that, which is, asking yourself the hard question mm. and then getting to the point of leaning in. And so the reason why I always say lean in because you're gonna have to fall forward. And once you decide to do so, there's no turning back, right? Cause there is responsibility and the recognition. So once I've recognized my authenticity, I've accepted it. I now have a responsibility to that and I can't go back. I'm woke now.
0: That, I'm that's what I was thinking of your definition of woke. Yeah,
1: I'm awake now. I'm awake to my own greatness. I'm awake to my own authenticity now. I can't go back. So now I got to lean in. And now I got to let the world feel all this shine. And they're going to get all this shine, whether <laughs> they like it or not. So.
0: <laughs> oh, you're so awesome. <laughs> it's so good. And at, I'm thinking of a number of things because I think my brain is ADD. But, uh, <laughs> I was thinking about the word facilitator and how I just realized that comes from the Latin word "facil," which means easy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like you're making things easier for people. Um, mm-hmm. But there's still hard work in that. <laughs> Look um, at
1: that. I love that. So fossil. Yes. Easy.
0: Yeah. And, and I was also thinking about how as a leader, it's like we're doing the same thing. Mm hmm. As a leader with other people as we have to we have to ultimately lead ourselves
1: absolutely absolutely and i love that you say that because it all starts with oneself if i can't lead myself out the woods i can't possibly lead somebody else out if i can't see the forest through the trees i can't possibly help somebody else see the forest through the trees
0: but how many of us want to help other people and yet we don't want to help ourselves
1: amen because it's easier to tell somebody else what they need to be doing or should be doing or how they could do it. And it's a lot harder to to, to to tell ourselves. And one thing I started saying is you know you know the, the there's this adage of you know you owe yourself the love that you so freely give others. That's so good. there's a, there's another thing I'd like to tack on to that is you also owe yourself the honesty that you so freely give other people. We're real good at being like, you know, you should do this and you should do that and this and that, or you know, what you really should do or you know what I think. But then how many of us go home and shut our door and we lie to ourselves on a daily basis
0: yeah. about things? <laughs> so in, in terms of that self-discovery and, and learning the truth in order to reflect it back and to be honest with ourselves, um, is there like a practice that you like for self-discovery? Mm quiet
1: for me personally
0: Mm. sitting in my own
1: solace um when we kind of mentioned it earlier taking a step back um for me I learned that there's harm for myself in always being on the go and why do I say it's harmful I say it's harmful because I then don't have enough energy to pour back into myself to practice that to stay in tune so I always suggest to people when I work with them is um, taking a step back. Sometimes we don't even know we're overloaded or overwhelmed until we take that step back and we realize how much is freed up, how much energy and how much space in our mind is freed up to even think about things in a different light. Mm. And I think also, too, being honest about all of these things. If I'm struggling, I need to be I there's no way that I could get the guidance, the assistance, the help that I need if I'm not honest about my struggles. And I think I want people to understand, because I've been there. I mean, I was working a job and I was a full time student and I had a really horrific experience with stress. And I mean, like I was fainting. And wow I almost busted my two front teeth out and yeah, like it was wild. And mind you, I had just gotten my braces off and this was a month later. And I'm like, I fainted and I wake up face down on the floor in a mouthful of blood.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And I was struggling. It was, it was just a hard period of time, but I thought I had to be miss energizer bunny over here and damn near killed myself. And so, That is why I press so hard for people just to take that time, take that space back. You don't have to impress anybody. You don't have to do more than what you feel is necessary for yourself Mm -hmm. because at a certain point in time, it all becomes burdensome and it all becomes inauthentic. And then you're just running on fumes and you end up in a situation where you're on the bathroom floor. That was my bathroom floor moment, by the way, because it wasn't the bathroom that you end up on the bathroom floor. Just messed up. So I think getting into practice of taking that, taking that time, being in that space, having check-ins with yourself, being, being brutally honest with yourself. I think <laughs> one of the highest forms of self-love, one of the absolute highest forms of self-love is calling yourself out on your own BS. Like <laughs> nobody should be able to check me before I check myself. Like if somebody is having to check me, that means I've missed the mark somewhere in checking myself.
0: (laughs) The another thing that comes to mind is uh, Alex Benayan, he wrote this book called The Third Door that I love. And he has this like 30 day challenge that's like to discover your your true purpose, your calling or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. It's like, you know, moving you into working with your passions. And I cannot remember the three journal questions, but I remember two of them. (laughs) And and one of them is each day writing, not what did I enjoy doing today, but what brought me excitement, what excited me and filled me with joy. Um, I think that was one of the questions. And then also writing and reflecting on what drained me of energy today. Yes. And so what comes to mind is as we're constantly reflecting on these things, um, which hopefully we do from time to time, if you don't have any space, you know, for yourself, you might be really drained from your work. And conversely, as you work towards work that's less, and, and just a life, that's less draining and more energizing, then you're going to find that not only do you have the energy, um, but you're also going to have that, that space and that time to, um, to get quiet. I don't know if that
1: absolutely. And one thing that that makes me think about is, um, you know, journaling in that sense is having a, having a gratitude practice, you know, because I think when you, when you take a step back to think about what you're grateful for, that's where you also determine where your value lies.
0: Mm.
1: And when you do that, when you have a firm set of values, that is basically your foundation from which you spring forth. And so that is another way to find out where you belong in this world is what, what what do you value?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's a gauge. If I'm in, if I'm, if I'm practicing something, if I'm working a job, if I'm in a relationship, if I'm in a friendship that is compromising these values, it's probably something I shouldn't be in. But how could I even know whether or not I should be in it if I don't really if I haven't really taken the time to think about my gratitude, to think about what I value? So that is something that is, I would say, like a compass, a guide. I never
0: thought about it that way, that using your gratitude practice to discover things that you value. I mean, it it makes sense because it's like you value the things you're grateful for, but I never connected it to the term values. (laughs) 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 It's beautiful.
1: Also, one other concept that comes to mind as we talk about what kind of practice. Um, so, Eckhart Tolle has this concept called um, being a, like a frequency holder. And essentially, a frequency holder is someone who, you know, they don't need to be in the forefront of things, they don't need to be in the spotlight, um, but they're okay with holding their frequency wherever they are. Um, And these are people who are constant, right? So they know what they bring to the table. They're okay with the little space that they occupy, the little or large space that they occupy in the world. But no matter what, they can hold their frequency. And I think that concept is so impactful because we need a lot less striving to be something and we just need more being, just be stop striving, just be and hold your frequency, find out what your frequency is, find out the vibes that you emit from that frequency, Mm -hmm. and just hold it and grow within that. And I firmly believe that when you practice that, um, and learning to be okay with what comes from that, you'll see a lot of those question marks turn into answers.
0: And it's, I think it's impactful too to think that whatever frequency you hold is valid and is good yes. and it's not going to be someone else's frequency mm-hmm. and sometimes i think in this really achievement oriented society we, we want to look out and we see people and we compare ourselves and it's like well, why can't i be doing that and why can't i be recording three albums a year and why can't i do this and, yes um and maybe that's just not your frequency <laughs> and maybe you're
1: not conditioned to handle the amount of pressure that comes with that kind of lifestyle or that kind of uh, profession. And that's okay because you're blessed to hold a frequency elsewhere that you can do with style and grace and it, and it won't feel like pressure. So you're so right. Being okay with your path and you know, this makes me think of, Like, I will never say, I will never look at someone, um, somebody or a couple, but I will never say like, oh, that's goals. Never. I will never look at anything, anyone and say that's goals, especially in a relational sense. I will never look at a relationship and be like, there are goals. Nope. Because you never know on the flip side of the glitz and the glamour, what those people might be sacrificing to keep that relationship or to keep that job. Uh, The amount, the immense amount of stress those individuals Mm -hmm. might be under um, the unhappiness that they're suppressing in order to keep up that facade. So I think just as a people, if we get away from the romanticizing of somebody else's situation and learn to be okay with our own presence, where we are now, our own frequency, being grateful, finding out what our values are, and letting that be our compass and our guide, I think we'll see a lot less more of a need for perfectionism,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, you're just adhering to your own standard.
0: And it's almost then like instead of the goal coming from an external source, like we become the source of the goal, is that kind of?
1: Absolutely. 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 And, you know, redefining what success means, I think is probably one of the most important paths that I've been on in my own life is letting success be intrinsic instead of extrinsic, letting my intrinsic state determine what my external success will look like. And I found a lot of happiness in doing that. I mean, it's a very intentional process that I've had to engage in, but, um, it's made me feel really good and really authentic and it's really made me feel a sense of like autonomy. You know, I know that, um, the ultimate driver in my life is God. He is, he's the steering wheel. I'm the wingman. Right. But the wingman has a job too. Like (laughs) the wingman has to be alert. The wingman has to know stuff. The wingman, uh, is, is reading off directions Sometimes like yeah. <laughs> the wingman has a job and I think I've accepted that I'm working in conjunction with, um, but I still have a job that I have to do.
0: I love that. And, and so that, that piece of being spiritually connected is really foundational, I think. Yes, absolutely. Um, so one of these let I me mean, say that again, one aspect of this idea of Letting the world feel your shine that feels pertinent right now is we're in this surge of the Black Lives Matter movement and calls to end police brutality, among other things, in order to create safer, more equitable communities. Um, and I believe that we all do have a responsibility uh, to do our part towards an anti racist world, um, but we also have numerous skill sets and unique lights to shine within our communities. For anyone whose primary work, is not as an activist, but maybe they're artists or teachers or caretakers. How do you think they can feel empowered to let their light shine without feeling like they're somehow detracting from the Black Lives Matter movement?
1: Knowing that um, it's all-encompassing. You know, if you come from a place of love, you can never detract it. You know, just because I want to shine, I want to let the world feel my shine. It does not mean that somebody else's shine doesn't matter just as much. We all can shine. And that's kind of the whole impetus behind Black Lives Matter is it's not saying that Black Lives Matter more, it's that Black Lives Matter too. Yeah. And so in any facet, in any realm, in any profession in life, you can shine, but you can also seek to ask questions to better understand and I firmly believe that as you shine, but you also seek to learn and to understand other people, other people's struggles, you'll just shine even more because you're going to be equipped with this world of knowledge that enables you to further connect with other people. Everybody has a struggle and everybody has some sort of uh, oppression and we can connect a world transcending citizenship, we can connect through that oppression. Um, But we have to talk about it and we have to be open to hearing other people's stories of oppression, not the oppression Olympics where my oppression means more than your oppression, but, oh yeah, empathizing. Yeah, you know, I, I went through some stuff too and here's how it impacted me, but here's how in spite of, I'm choosing to shine.
0: Mm.
1: So I just believe that it's everyone being empowered. You can shine too. There's no, there's n- nothing that's saying you can't shine, but it's not that your shine matters more or that it's more important or that it means more. It's that I can shine too. I can lean into my greatness and I can let the world feel my shine too. Cause there are a lot of other people that are doing so. Why not me?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, you had a quote, you said, a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. Yes. Is that right?
1: <laughs> yes. A, a candle. Yes. And that is by, he was actually a priest, James Keller. That's what his name, Father James Keller. And that's, okay. that's a quote by him. A candle loses nothing by lighting another candle, you know, and also this ties into, um, Marianne Williamson and her book, um, A Return to Love. And, you know, she talks about shining. Once you decide to, you unconsciously give other people the right to do the same. Like you make them feel like, okay, if that person can do it, so can I, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's powerful when you get people who want to shine in their own authenticity and their own light and not harm other people, you know, hold their frequency but not use it in such a way that's gonna, you know, try to shine a light on somebody else in a negative way. Mm. It's more like it all derives from positivity. And you see a person who's happy and who's jolly just doing their own thing. People are like, man,
0: I want what that person got. Like, I want
1: what that person is on
0: right now. <laughs> and I, I think that ultimately, like for me, I've come against that idea uh, or come across it in, um, at least with the music industry. Mm-hmm. And this idea that there's limited resources. And I think that's kind of how we operate in the world. Um, and and there's so, I think, you know, we think that if someone else gets what they need and what they want, that means less for us. Mm-hmm. But that's simply not the case. And it's like when when other people get what they need, I'm more likely to get what I need because now they can share with me. Mm -hmm. and vice versa if i have what i need i can share with them and it's just it really lifts everybody up and i think we need to be in the habit of (laughs) lifting each other up um because it's lifting ourselves up as well it's not you get i lose Mm -hmm. it's you get i get (laughs)
1: Absolutely. And understanding and having the complete belief in whatever is meant for me is never going to pass me by. Mm. If it's meant for me, to be honest, one of my prayers is I don't want anything that doesn't have my name on it because it could potentially deter me from my path. It could potentially hurt me, but I could potentially screw that thing up when it's meant for somebody else. Mm. So... If it's truly meant for me, it'll come my way and I got to be okay with that. And if somebody comes into something that I thought was mine, I need to check myself and take my ego out of it. Newsflash boo-boo. It wasn't yours.
0: <laughs> and in that way, if that thing comes to you and you have open hands, then you can receive it. But Absolutely. In Buddhism, there's this idea of of open hands instead of closed because Um, when, when your hands are open, you can both give and you can receive.
1: Absolutely. But
0: when you're holding on and your hands are closed, you're saying like, I need this thing. Well, guess what? Maybe it's not for you at all. And now you're stuck with it and you can't let go of it and you can't get anything new. You know, it's just a lose, lose. (laughs) You're going to miss your blessing. And,
1: you know, I've, I've had situations like that before. I'm sure everyone has. And. What happens if you just would have waited a little longer? If you just would have kept your
0: hands open just a little bit longer? Yeah.
1: And how much better that thing could have been.
0: And it's scary because you know there's this fear, right? That if you lose something, you might not get it back. And you don't know what's coming next. But I think knowing that we're going to get the things that have our names on them. (laughs) we don't need any more than that yeah and you know
1: timing is always at play there and we often want to um speed up a process Mm. so we'll hold on to something that i mean it kind of is like what i want but it's not exactly but i'm gonna like act like that it is because (laughs) it's kind of what i want and How many times do we settle for kind of like I don't want to settle for kind of or could have been sort of might be sort of kind of looks like if you squint one eye and like you turn your head to the left, like I I want whatever comes my way, what is in my hand to be 100%
0: without a doubt that thing that I know I should have. And I think that actually that brings to mind activist work that is very much like this is exactly what we want. We will Mm -hmm. not stop until we get exactly this. And in that way, it's not like, because this idea of, of open hands is like in receiving it, it's beautiful, but it's also like, sometimes we have to fight when we know it's the right thing. And so it's not that we're like sitting around and just like manifesting, you know, social change. Right. Um, But I do think knowing exactly what it is and not stopping until you, because that inner sense of knowing of like, this is what's meant for me. This is what's meant for us. Um, and this is what we can give to each other. I think sometimes that, that does involve fighting. I just wanted to it say does. that because I don't want it to seem like, you know, we can all just kind of sit around. No. And, I, and
1: you know, I, I don't, and I, I think that, that a lot of it
0: is being still. But
1: I don't think being still is, is anything lackadaisical. I think being still is, there's this concept called wu wei. And it's basically doing not doing, and so what that means is like doing things in the natural rhythm of 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 the flow, and then stepping back and letting that work take its course. And so you can fight within that, you can be strong within that, you can be vocal within that, you can be, uh, you know, a badass within that. But there also too has to be a a spark, a very large spark of authenticity within all that. And I always say, I was having a conversation with a friend a couple months ago, and we were just talking about being on the front lines and how I have a lot of respect for people for being on the front lines, but that I know that that's not my place Mm -hmm. to be on the front lines, because how inauthentic I would feel being out there on the front lines. I wholeheartedly believe in Black Lives Matter. I wholeheartedly believe in social reform and I think it needs to happen, but I think in my own way, I'm also enabling that to happen in my everyday experiences. But I don't need to be out on the front lines just to say I was on the front lines Mm. doing
0: so. And there it is again, in that we all have a place and and a light to shine and when you're Absolutely. doing what's in alignment, like I think your light is so much brighter.
1: Absolutely. And you know, it's not to say that you're not gonna have to fight because you will. Sometimes you have to fight within yourself to shine your light. There may be times where somebody not might not believe in you or your light and you might have to dig down deeper, get stronger. Don't let that stop you. There's so much fight within this journey. But I firmly believe that the fight is not always other people. Mm. It's fighting within yourself to be strong and exude these things so that you go out and you exude a confidence and a knowingness where you're just making it happen and you're unbothered.
0: (laughs) So what I'm taking away from this is that it all, it starts with us. It starts with knowing ourselves. It starts with internal work
1: one hundred ten thousand percent and I feel like if that <laughs> if there's anything and I get so excited because honestly like it's hard absolutely hard work absolutely hard work but if I know myself I know what I'll tolerate I know what I won't tolerate if I know myself I know who I I'll know who I am I'll know what I am I'll know what I'm not if I know myself, I know how I can impact other people. If I know, if I know myself, I know what to ask for. How can I, how can I know what to ask for if I don't know myself? So true. How can I, how can I know what's truly going to serve me and help me if I don't if I don't know myself. Mm-hmm. And so I firmly believe that this work, it takes a lot, like it takes a lot. And sometimes it could take a lot of time. But I'd much rather take my time on something then rush and have to double back continuously. If I take my time, the hope is that I only got to do it once. But if I rush it, listen, I might have to go round and round until I learn the lesson and how much time is wasted on that. Rather, if you would if you would have just done it right the first time around.
0: Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so... You have undergone quite the educational journey. In your undergrad, you majored in Black Studies and minored in Sport Management. You hold a Master of Arts in Coaching, Coaching and Athletic Administration, and most recently, you obtained a Doctorate in Educational Leadership. Um, which congratulations, by the way. Thank you so much. It feels like you've been all over the map, but I sense uh, this common thread of leadership and change throughout. And. I'm curious where this journey has brought you in terms of the work that's in front of you right now. What ideas are you most passionate about at the moment?
1: You know, I think that on the outside looking in, it does seem as though like my educational pursuits have kind of are are touch on many different facets. But in all honesty, they're, they've all kind of built on one another and that's, how i've gotten to the point to where i am today is like building block by building block you know starting off as an undergraduate studying black studies and sport management that was such a solid foundation to start with as a black woman like i was affirmed in my own blackness Mm -hmm. by being a black studies major learning things about my own history that i had no idea about
0: it was like life studies
1: yeah absolutely 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 like Absolutely. I became such a better person because of black studies and it enabled me to interact with people in a much better way. I mean, I was already a great person if I can, you know, to my own horn, (laughs) but I became a stronger, more informed person because of that. Truly, I've been on this path of just brick by brick as everyone always is, but I have such a gratitude for it. And even in my professional pursuits, I have so many different experiences. I've worked in the nonprofit sector. I've worked in youth sports. I've worked in higher education, sports, athletics, life coaching, motivational speaking, but it's all encompassing. And so where I am today is I'm in a space of I've put some time in. I've done my due diligence. It's been hard work. I've had to push myself. There were times where I I didn't quite know if I could do certain things but one thing that I I, I never did I always say and, and I will say this for forever is that like I don't possess this like non-human trait or quality. honestly like I just listened. That's it. I listened to myself. I listened to uh, the small, still voice on the inside, which I believe is God. I just listened and I took every next step, next right step, I just listened. And that's what's led me to this point today where I'm so grateful that I can speak on a multitude of topics, um, not as an expert by any means, But as someone that has had personal experiences with all these things but also someone who through those personal experiences has been able to lead and help and cultivate things in other people and help them become
0: better versions Mm. of themselves it almost feels like this brick by brick idea of you know building this pathway is also like building yourself
1: absolutely absolutely my there is no separation between the work that I do and who I am as a person. You will get the same Ashley in the office at home <laughs> uh, on this podcast like there is no separation and it's taken me, I mean, I'm 31. it's taken me all this time to get here and I have so much more life to live and so much more life to give. yeah and I'm just grateful that I encountered the challenges that I did. I mean, even going back further as a young girl, I was overweight. So being 14 and being told you have to lose weight. Like
0: Mm.
1: the amount of hard work that I've just decided I was gonna dedicate myself to from a young, as as a young child, it helped me because I have such an appreciation for where I am now. Like just the journey in and of itself, what I've learned and how I can just help people. That's it, I just wanna help people.
0: Well, you're certainly helping me right now. And I know you're helping (laughs) everyone who's listening to this. (laughs) So um, where can people find you to get more of you? So social media,
1: certainly. Um, I'm on Twitter as Dr. Ashley Davis. I'm on Instagram as Dr. Ashley Davis. Um, And then I have a website that's in the works right now. So soon um, that will be launching. Um, And it's like almost ready to go. I just, I don't know why I haven't hit like, publish on there
0: Let your light shine Ashley I know thank you (laughs) I needed that little push
1: look see everything this is why I'm here this is why I needed that so that's almost ready to go what is your website
0: called uh
1: it's going to be called in your light which is um what I kind of like what my coaching is is under is, is just in your light um so and, and when that is live, I, I'll put all of those things on my social media so people okay. can go uh, visit. But from that website, you'll be able to learn a little bit more about me, but also
0: learn a little more about my coaching services. Okay. I'll link to your current things um, in the show notes.
1: Yeah. And, you know, people can reach me by email as well. So
0: yeah, I could throw that in there.
1: Yeah. If people want to reach me by email, but, um, you know, I'm kind of like a gem that's under wraps and, um. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of okay with that because um, I really believe that whoever finds me is meant to find me.
0: So as we come to a close here today, I was wondering if you have one piece of advice that you would like to leave us with.
1: Just go for it. Do it. Put your big girl, big boy pants on. It's not always going to be easy, but it's always going to be worth it. Lean into your greatness and never be afraid to let the world feel your shine
0: and that's that (laughs) that's that that's it so everybody go listen to dr ashley's advice (laughs) big girl big boy pants i'm ready (laughs) Uh, well thank you so so much for being on the show today it was really beautiful no
1: thank you thank
0: you so much for having me this has
1: been an absolute pleasure like i i'm i feel so full because of this
0: conversation oh that's so great i feel like we could just talk all day (laughs) I know. Same, same. I feel it. (laughs) Thank you so much for hanging out with Ashley and I today. I had so much fun recording this conversation and I hope you folks all enjoyed it. Please go support her work. Reach out to her if you're interested in working with her as a coach. You can check out the show notes for those links. I'm so grateful that you are spending this time listening to Wreck Your Perfection. If this episode inspired you, gave you something, do me a huge favor in spreading the love and share this podcast with one friend. If you could leave a review, that would also be amazing. I'm always working on making the show the best that it can be. And if you have any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. You'll notice I don't have any ads or sponsorships. So if you'd like to support the show through a monthly donation, you can do that through anchor.fm. If you are someone who struggles with perfectionism or self-doubt, and if you want to activate your courage and step into your brilliance, I would love to work with you. I'm currently taking on new life coaching clients. And for a short time, I'm offering a discounted rate as I accumulate my practicum hours. My email's in the show notes, so contact me if you'd like to get a free consult and to learn more about working with a coach. Whatever it is that you want to do in life, just know that you already have everything it takes. Know that you are amazing, you are complete, you are strong, and you have your own personal cheerleader rooting for you over here every step of the way. So I'll see you back here for next week's episode, and in the meantime, be well, fail big, and go wreck your perfection.